if you look up the word sugarcoating in Webster's Dictionary, it says to make something superficially appealing or palatable. To make something superficially appealing or palatable. Meaning the truth in itself is not appealing or palatable. And so we kind of change it up to make it that way. This reminds me of one of my favorite TV shows. My wife and I love to watch a show called Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And it is a sitcom about a precinct in Brooklyn, New York. And so in this one episode, there's a guy who's just become captain, and he's clearly underqualified for the position. And so he walks in one day, and he's talking to one of his detectives. And he says, hey, guys, um, I lost this duffel bag full of $100,000 in cash and about $50,000 in drugs. Um, Do you think it's that big of a deal? And so one of his detectives starts to say, actually, that's a pretty, he goes, wait, 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 sugarcoat it for me. Um, Okay, I guess it's really not that big of a deal. Oh, thanks. Right, but that's what we do with things, right? We want things to be sugarcoated sometimes because it makes it easier for us to take. One of the things that I've seen through this entire season of COVID and this global pandemic and the shutdowns and the not shutdowns and everything is people like to handle information differently. Right, so I, I know for, for myself, when all this started, if, if anybody knew the full length it was going to take, I would rather you sit me down and say, Lee, this is going to take 15 to 18 months before we're past this. Right, I want, all, I want all of it laid out so I can understand how best to deal with it. My wife, however, at least at the beginning, was like this. You know, she was like, hey, let's just, just tell me, let's focus on the month of April and then we'll reevaluate the end of May. Because for her, it was easier to stomach the information if, if it was just taken bit by bit. Because we had this thing, the way that some of us decided that we wanted the, the COVID information to be sugar-coated was, you know what? It started in March, right? Like, hey, we're going to be back by Easter. Okay, so then Easter came. And then it was, you know, hey, we'll, we'll be back. Everything will be good by summertime. Even though we had no proof that it was going to be, that's what we wanted to say because that made it easier for us to deal with. Then when summertime came and it didn't go away, we said, you know what, let's just, once the fall comes, school starts back up, everything will be fine. And it wasn't. And so we've even still kind of sugarcoated to say, once the holidays get here, we'll be good. Clearly we're not in a good situation right here with this pandemic. And we even sometimes have this idea like, man, I can't wait for 2020 to end. And so we're sugarcoating this, this thing because We want it to end in 2020, but the reality is it's not going to. But it makes us easier if we can kind of break it apart. We're almost willing to deceive ourselves if it makes us feel better about the way that we're thinking or about the things that are happening. And so we kind of sugarcoat the truth because it makes it easier to deal with. Another thing that happens is we sugarcoat the truth because acknowledging the truth for what it is would require us to change. And man, if there is something that as people in general we hate, is change. The majority of us don't want anything to change. We don't like our routine being busted up. We don't want to alter the way we're living or the way we think about things or, or what we have going on. We want things to stay the same. We don't like change. So in order to not change, we will accept a sugar-coated version of the truth, or we'll even accept things that aren't the truth, but that we can convince ourselves it's true enough. That's what we're going to get into today. We've been going through second, the book of 2 Timothy. 
We're in chapter 4. And one of the things we've seen throughout this book is that there are false teachers everywhere. There are people that are accusing Paul and Timothy of not telling the truth. And there are people that are taking bits and pieces of the scriptures and, and of what Jesus has done and combining it with other things. And so there's all these different theories, all these different ideologies. And again, we, we talked about last week, Christianity as, as a, a belief system is in its infancy because Jesus died and rose again not that long ago, right, when, when Paul's writing this. So we got to understand that we're at that moment where things, a lot of things are coming out and there are a lot of people who are looking for where is their truth. And you have a lot of people who are, who are speaking things that aren't true because it's gaining followers and it's giving them influence. So that's where we're going to be. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Last week we went over verses 1 to 2. Today we're going to be going over verses 3 through 5, especially with an emphasis on verse 3, and I think you'll be able to see this. But in 2 Timothy chapter 4, whether you have your physical Bible or your digital Bible at home, let's, let's get into this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. So we look at verse 3. People, there's going to come a time when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Now, that's still happening today. And so it's interesting because I've, I've heard people say in, in today's time, right, like, you know what? People don't believe in the truth as much anymore. People used to always kind of believe and look for truth, and now it's not as much of a thing. But now what we're seeing in Paul's letter is that this has always been the case. People have always not wanted to put up with sound doctrine, with sound theological teaching. And so we have to ask the question, why? Why do you think people don't want to put up with that? The biggest reason people don't want to put up with the doctrine or the teachings of Scripture is because it goes against everything in our nature. Because we are inherently selfish beings, and the Bible calls us to respond in a different way. It calls us to be giving. It calls us to not put ourselves at the center of everything. And that's not really something that we enjoy. We, we kind of enjoy being a part of everything. What this has shown is at our core, human beings are self-centered and self-focused. And that has been the case for thousands of years. It's just now we have new ways of working that out or new ways of exhibiting that. But it's still the truth. It's still the same uh, sinfulness in our flesh that has been there. And so we have to think, what, what are we going to do about that? As you can see all around us, and again, this even goes back to biblical times, humans are drawn to teachings that say that the top priority in our lives is loving ourselves and self-fulfillment. That that is our number one obligation in life is to seek out self-fulfillment. Now again, it's played itself out in different ways over the centuries, but people are drawn to that. We're drawn to the idea that, that things could be about us. 
That's where a lot of things come from. Two of the biggest things that cause most of the sin in our lives are pride and fear. This idea that, that pride, we want it to be about us because we want to be the man or the woman or, or whatever it is, and the fear that we would have to depend on someone else. Pride and fear are at the root of a lot of our sins. And of a lot of it comes from this selfishness. Because we want to be what the whole thing's about. In October, for my wife's birthday, we went to a restaurant in town. This was during the, when some restaurants could be open with limited capacity. So we went, we were spread out. And it was a place on First Street. Wonderful food, great place. And our waitress had a tattoo on her forearm. And it said, I am the hero of the story. That's what, that's what her tattoo said. I am the hero of the story. And so my first thought was, that's a lot to live up to. That seems, to me, that seems like such an exhausting way to live. Because here's the deal. If you're the hero, you can't mess up. You have to always be on top of your game. You have to always be doing everything. If you're making yourself the hero of your story, how do you ever have any rest? How are you ever able to just take a step back and, and just be? And just be at ease and be at peace with yourself? Because if you have to be the hero, then you're always going. You can't stop. You can't mess up. And I, I think if we're honest... Each of us has messed up probably, definitely in the past week, probably even today, right? So if we're intellectually honest with ourselves, we're not capable of being the hero of our story, but we want to be. We want to be the hero of our own story. And so if we are insistent upon being the hero of our own story, then what that means is that God only exists for my benefit. If I am the hero of my story, then God's sole reason for existing is to help me become the hero of my story. Think about that. And, and, and even there are those of us in church, right, that we're, we're acting as though we want to be the hero of our own story, but we're giving lip service to Jesus. But if we're the hero, he exists to serve us. That is not a great way to live. And it's just exhausting. It's exhausting to know that we have to be the hero. And again, this comes back to that whole pride and fear. Right? We, we don't like believing that we are hopeless and helpless apart from God. We want to believe that everything that we need is right in here, even though our lives speak to that not being true. We want to believe that because we like the way that that sounds. We like the way that that sounds. And so it reminds me of a quote from C.S. Lewis. I make sure I have it here so I make sure I don't mess it up. But in his book called The Weight of Glory, he talks about this idea, right? This, if, if you're the hero of your story, first of all, that's very small thinking. It's honestly, it's very small thinking. We try to make it to be some big noble pursuit, but it's thinking in a very small way if you want to be the hero but here's this quote. He says, We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far 
too easily pleased. We're far too easily pleased. We want to we make ourselves the hero of this tiny story. We take up just a little bit of time on this earth. Right? Billions of people, billions, billions and billions of people live before or are going to live after. We have a small window, and we want to dedicate our lives to being the hero of our own story? Man, that's just, I don't know, guys. That just seems, seems kind of small thinking. Why wouldn't we want to be part of a bigger story? A story that has incredible impact, right? The story of God that had, God's story ripples throughout eternity, right? This, our story has a small reach at a certain period of time in certain areas where we are. God's story has an eternal reach that goes everywhere, that connects to everybody, and that runs throughout eternity, and the amazing thing about God is that he invites us to be part of that story. And here, here's that story. God seeing us, right? God created us and he's seeing us. And him wanting to be connected to us and for us to be united with him. But the sin in our lives broke that connection. And so instead of destroying all of us, God looked at us, looked at humanity and loved us and said, you know what? I'm going to send Jesus to live the life that you should have lived because you should be living a perfect life in order to honor God, but you didn't. So I'm sending Jesus for that. And then he's going to die the death that you should have died as payment for your sin. And then he's going to be raised from the dead to show that he overcomes even death. See, that, that's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus is that he has done the work. He has done the work. The sacrifice of Jesus was for the good of all humankind, not just for a couple of people in a small setting as, as our story is. It was for all humankind. And we have the opportunity to be a part of that. We have an opportunity to be a part of that. So when it comes to our itching ears or our selfish desires, as it talked about in verse 3, don't be shifted towards this idea that you're the hero of your story because that's not, one, it's not reality. And two, it's, it's, there's such a bigger story and better story to be a part of. And we want to be a part of that. There's no greater story out there. Why would we be willing to settle for anything less? And so that's one reason we have itching gears and we don't want to hear the full truth. We just want to hear enough that we like. The next part, let's again look at verse 3. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And so next, I, I, right now I want to talk to people in the church, right? Like if you've been going to church and you consider yourself a believer, Paul's also talking to you with the itching ears, right? And so what happens is we turn to idolatry. Right? We, we turn to things, you know, we have these certain idols set up, and we want to find uh, a church or a teaching that allows us to keep putting those things at the forefront of our lives. Right? So we, so we say, listen, I, I, I love Jesus, but I'm going to decide how I handle my money. I, I love Jesus, but 
I'm going to set the parameters for my sexuality or sexual activity. Um, I love Jesus, but I'm, I don't really want to help people that are different than me because that's just kind of awkward and uncomfortable. Or I love Jesus, but I, I don't want to hear anybody talk about racial injustice because I'm uncomfortable with that topic. And I'm just going to find somebody who only talks about the things that I want to hear about, the things that I'm already doing well. That's how this plays itself out in the church. Right? We're, we're going to find somebody who preaches the things that go in line with what we're doing. For example, if, if, if I'm somebody that doesn't give to the church, who doesn't tithe, then I don't want to hear a sermon about how everything I have belongs to God and that I am called to give generously to further things that support his kingdom. I don't want to hear that. So if, if, if money is an idol for me, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to find a church and find a teacher, a pastor, that's not going to talk about money because I don't want to feel convicted about how I should spend my money or whether or not I should give. I've earned this money. I want to spend it how I see fit. That's one of the ways that we kind of take this. Those of us within the church who want to find something about that. We also get to this point of sexuality or sexual activity, right? And so that's something that we see time and time again. There's so, there, there are moral, moral failures from pastors. There are moral failures from people in the church. And too often we just kind of brush that aside. Or if we say, you know what? I want to be in charge of who I sleep with and when I do that. So I'm going to... I want some of Jesus. I want some of what the Bible has to offer. But I don't want to hear anything like when Scripture talks about how the marriage bed should be kept pure. I don't want to hear those things. So I'm going to find somebody who doesn't address that topic, and that's where I'm going to get involved. This is the way this looks in the church, that we go to those teachings and, and Pastor Matt spoke about this uh, a few weeks ago when he talked about it in 2 Timothy chapter 3. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, he talks about having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. So what I'm talking about with these things, about with, with our money and with our sexuality, it has the appearance of godliness because we're showing up to church, but denying its power because we're saying we don't want to fall under the authority of God in those areas. We want to be the authority in those areas. We're willing to give God the things that, that, that he agrees with that we're already doing. We're fine with that. But the areas in our lives that don't fall in line with the gospel, we don't want to give God authority over those. So we're going to find somebody who tells us it's okay. That's how our itching ears get going. And so when we do that, when we say things like, you know, my money, I can do what I want. Uh, my sexuality or sexual activity, I can kind of do what I want. What we're saying, church, those of us who are within the church, here's what you're saying when you do those things and when you're looking for those kind of teachings that support your lifestyle. We are saying, Jesus isn't enough. Jesus isn't enough. What we're saying is, I want some of Jesus, but then I want to also do my own thing. So this is the message. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if, if you are a believer and, and you're, 
and you're engaged in this, think about the things that we want to hear and the things that we want to talk about and don't want to talk about. The message we're sending to people is, I'm going to follow Jesus unless it goes against something that I want to do. So the message we are sending is that I need Jesus plus control of my money, or I need Jesus plus control of taking care of my physical needs. Jesus isn't enough. That's the message we are sending when we claim to be believers and we don't submit everything in our lives to God. That's the message that we are sending people. And this is a warning for those of us in the church. This is a warning that Paul's giving. This is not okay. This is not being in line with the truth. This is trying to have our itching ears satisfied to suit our own desires. And so we have these things like our money or like sexuality or like influence or control. And these are things we set up as idols in our lives. The most loving thing God can do for us during that time is to destroy those idols. If we put them above, right? Like money is not wrong. Sexual activity within marriage is not wrong. Okay. But the things that we do, God needs to have top priority in that. He needs to be the authority on all of those things. And so if there's anything that we put above, anything that we add to Jesus plus this, the most loving thing God can do is destroy that thing. Now, that's why I, I believe, as, as terrible as this pandemic has been, I think God has used it to knock down some people's idols. Because what we have seen is we've lost, so many people have lost so many things. People have lost lives. People have lost jobs. People who were part of our church have had to move because they lost a job and had to get another one or because their salary got cut. Those things are real. And so all these things, all these circumstances we were putting our hope and our faith in, God has gotten rid of those. And my prayer is that during that time, like those of us that belong to Jesus are taking this big overview and saying, you know what? I, maybe I wasn't aware, but I'm seeing now that I put this thing in front of Christ. That I gave this thing more weight and more value than just being with Jesus. And so my prayer is that in these moments, when these idols are starting to crumble, and we're looking all around us, all these things that we had put our hope in are dying and are fading because they were never meant to last. And now we're putting that in Christ. That is my hope and that is my prayer for what we're doing. And so while the pandemic has been hard, I do think that is one of the benefits of it. But I also, I don't want to just stop at talking to people within the church. If, you, if you're new to the whole church thing, if somebody, you know, has shared this video with you, right? There's, you, you don't really, you haven't spent time reading the Bible. You haven't really been to church. I th- we can all understand non-church, church believers, non-believers. We can all understand that there is a deep longing within all of us. There's a deep longing within all of us. And what we're going to do, we are going to look for something that speaks to that, right? For some of us, it's just a wanting to find a connection of why we exist. For some of us, there's just this deep inner turmoil or emotional pain, and we need to find a way to process that. So what's going to happen is we're going to go and find something that addresses that issue. Every one of us is. Is going to find something that addresses that issue, whether it's that need to feel that connection or to feel validated in your existence or to be able to handle the pain that you're going through. We're all going to look for that. 
And there are so many different ways that people want to connect that to us. So there's a danger that comes is we will sometimes latch on to the first thing that is even willing to deal with that. Even if it's not fully the truth, we're, we're like, you know, I, I feel something here, so I'm going to latch on to that. Even if it's not completely true, we know that there's a need to address something. And so we're almost willing to listen to anything that addresses that. But the only lasting thing that connects to that is Jesus. That's the only thing that can satisfy for eternity, right? Everything else, everything else that we look to is going to eventually fade, everything. So what happens is you have to continue to change what you're listening to because if you, if you're, if your focus is on money and then once you get that and you realize, you know, oh, maybe that's not as fulfilling or if it's on, hey, I need to get married and then it's like, okay, but they're not perfect. So that's, you know, that can't sustain everything that I'm going for. And so we run through all these things. You have to continue to change what you're putting your hope in. When if you put your hope in Jesus, that never changes. That has been the one thing, in fact, through this whole pandemic, the gospel of Jesus has remained the same. His promise to never leave us or forsake us has remained the same. So many other things are changing. Jesus is the one thing, the one thing that has not changed. The offer of salvation, the gospel, the good news of what he has done for us. He has taken our sin and he has provided an an answer to that longing that we all have. And the crazy thing is that he's done all the work for it. Right? When Paul talks about this itching gears, he's talking about people shifting away from the truth. But here's the truth of the gospel that Jesus lovingly died on the cross for you and for me to take away our sin. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Like, think about how crazy that is. God took your sin through Jesus and said, hey, I'm going to give you all the good that Jesus has done. That's what I'm giving you, and I'm going to take your sin. That offering is there for all of us. That is the one thing that fills that longing. It's the only thing that sustains. There are so many different ideologies competing for your heart, and the reality is that some of them seem more compelling or more glamorous than the story of Jesus. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let's look at verse 4. This is after Paul's talked about the itching ears. He's talking about people who go to the itching ears. In verse 4, he says, They will turn their ears away from the truth, the truth being the gospel of Jesus, and turn aside to myths. Because myths are compelling. Stories are compelling. That's the reason we love you know, movies like, right, like Star Wars and, and the Avengers and Lord of the Rings, those are all compelling stories. And so it's easy to be turned to some other type of thing where we get to be the hero. That, that can be a compelling story, but it's not the truth. It will all fade. It's like, it's like shifting sands, right? The things that each culture throughout history has put their hope in has always had to change. Right? It's, it's, it's shifting sands. It's had to change because it cannot be sustained. 
the one solid thing that has remained throughout the past few thousand years has been the gospel of Jesus, that he died and rose again for my sin and for your sin and offers us salvation and offers us his presence and relationship in the here and now, despite our circumstances. That's the good news of Jesus. That's what we want to be a part of. That's what, please don't turn your ears away from that. Because what Paul is telling him, Paul is telling Timothy, listen, all these ideas are coming, man, and some people are going to those. Some people are falling to that because it sounds glamorous and exciting. And so there could be, maybe Timothy's thinking, you know what, all these other guys that are teaching these other things have a lot of followers now. They have a bigger influence. And so Paul addresses that in verse 5. He says, but you, speaking to Timothy, but you. Everybody else is going to different things, Timothy, but you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Timothy, I don't care what else everybody else is going off to. I don't care what other teachings. The truth is the truth regardless of what else happens. If everybody runs away from it, that doesn't change it being true. The gospel of Jesus, the life of Jesus, that is the truth, Timothy. So you, regardless of what else everybody's doing, regardless of what the culture does, regardless of what partial truths or complete lies they're going to, you, Timothy, keep your head in all situations. Don't be distracted or guided by other things that are not Jesus. It says endure hardship because that's what Paul has done. Paul, as we've gone through this book, we've seen Paul talks about the suffering that has happened to him and that's going to happen to Timothy. And say, not only are people going to go to these myths, but you're also going to have to endure suffering just as I have done, just as Jesus endured suffering on the cross. Paul says, do the work of an evangelist. As we talked about last week, when it says preach the word, it just means to share the gospel. That's what he's saying. This, this isn't a, okay, everybody's got to go door to door telling everybody about Jesus, but it's sharing the gospel of Christ, of his life, death, and resurrection, and how that impacts me and how that impacts you. That's what we're called to do. When he says discharge all the duties of your ministry, it just means fulfill what God has started within you. Every one of us, every single one of us that has placed our faith in Christ, God has a calling on our lives. Right? And it looks different ways. There are, that's jobs, it's relationships that we're in. Um, you know, it's our, are we good at teaching? Are we good at hospitality? Are we generous? Those are all different things. God can be glorified and the gospel can be talked about in all of those things. That's what we need to focus on. Don't turn away to things that will suit your itching ears. Focus on the truth, which is the gospel of Jesus. Fulfill that ministry. You have been called to that. I've been called to that. We have all been called to share the gospel, to share what Christ has done for us. That's what we need to focus on. And so, as we come to a close this morning, what I want to say to those of you who are, who are in the church, let's take a step back and make sure that we're not just trying to find 
the things that we want to hear. There are parts of the Bible that are difficult, and that's okay. If we're looking for the truth in the Word of God, I believe the Word of God is the truth, then we go to that, and whatever it says, I don't measure that up to my authority. I say, you know what? If what God is saying in the Bible is different than how I'm living, then I'm the one that needs to change. So let's make sure that we're not switching our itching ears to just fit whatever somebody else is telling us that we think sounds good or that satisfies us for that time. And for those of you who have this inner longing that you still haven't been able to connect that to in some way, please try Jesus. That's, that's, that's all I'm asking. Here, here's what I can promise you. He'll be with you through every circumstance, global pandemics, uh, breakups, job losses, everything that without him will shake us to our core and leave us in despair. He's with us. He's promised to be with you in that. And the most amazing thing is that he's already done all the work. He has done all the work. He lived the life. He died the death. He rose again. So now we can rest. The pressure is off. You don't have to be the hero of the story. That brings us comfort. That brings us peace. That brings us relief. If you have not done that yet, if you've not made that decision to give your life to Jesus, please, please do that today. You can click on the connection card up here in the corner and leave us a note about that, or you can put something in the chat. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to be able to talk to you more about that. Because throughout all the craziness, throughout all the different teachings and myths and the itching ears and how we change to what we want to hear, the one thing that remains constant is Jesus. Let's build our lives on that. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that as we sit in this year in the middle of a global pandemic that again seems to be getting worse, Lord, that you are sovereign. God, I know especially as we come to this holiday season, so many people are feeling lonely and feeling isolated, and that's going to increase as Thanksgiving and Christmas come. Lord, I pray that in those moments that we will look to you. God, help us to hang on to the truth and to know that anything that gets added to that is not real truth. Lord, it's not Jesus plus something else. It's the work of Jesus and what he has done and how that impacts our lives. And how that can change everything. Lord, it changes our eternity. It changes how we deal with difficult situations. Lord, it, it gets us to a point where our circumstances don't dictate our joy. But knowing that you have given us freedom and salvation. And that there is always joy in that no matter what life brings our way. Lord, help us to focus on the truth. Help us to focus on you, Lord. And for those who have not done that yet and who are looking for something to fill that inner longing, Lord, I pray that you will make yourself known to them, Lord, and that they will reach out to you. So your son's name we pray. Amen.